Hello, my name is Meg. Welcome to the Unedited Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. The goal of this podcast is to help you both develop and enjoy the habit of daily Bible reading and prayer. About 20 years ago, at a very low spot in my life, I was convicted to begin this simple discipline, and I looked up years down the road to see how God had used this habit to heal deep places in my heart and do incredible things in my life. And so over the years, it's really become my greatest passion to help others get to know Jesus through His Word and through His presence. Through this podcast, I'm hoping to help you see the Word of God with fresh eyes, to learn to slow down with your Bible, and ultimately to fall in love with your Bible. So thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so grateful to have you here. Today on the Unedited Podcast, I have the privilege of interviewing Reverend Joseph Poli. Brother Zipoli is an evangelist, and I've had the privilege um, of meeting him through my church, and he's ministered in our church many times. Um, our church family loves him, and in addition to preaching, he's a singer-songwriter, and he has recorded several songs that have ministered to me very deeply. I would encourage you to go check them out. Let me introduce you to Jesus. That was on an early episode of Unedited. And also, I Know Where He Is and several other songs. Um, and so we are very excited. I'm very excited to have Brother Zipoli on the show today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much, Sister Meg. It's a honor that you would ask me to come on here and be with you I, you have ministered to me um just too many times to count just through our conversations when i'm there at your church through your unedited book through your podcast i'm a faithful listener and my wife as well we love you and andrew and your your family and your church well thank you that that's very kind of you and yes forgive me i failed to mention colleen hello to colleen um that's brother joe's amazing wife um, she is a sweetie, and we love you guys, too, and appreciate your ministry. Um, typically, during an interview, you ask somebody to share a little bit about themselves, their background, their history, their education, and I just want to rephrase that. I kind of like to ask the question, what is your testimony? Just nutshell version. I believe so strongly that everybody has a story, and just wondering if you would share a little of yours with anyone who might listen to this. Sure. Well, in 1992, I was seven years old. I've got a brother. He's 14 months older. His name is Tony. He was eight years old at the time. And my family and I attended a, a Catholic church. And that's how my parents were raised. And we went to mass every Sunday, but my family was just broken. My mom and dad were on the verge of divorce. My mom worked with a, with a lady who went to a different church, uh, a Pentecostal church. She didn't know it, but she would pick her up for work in the morning. And her name is Mindy Scannell. Uh, still good friends with that family today. And my mom, uh, I, I recently just found this out. Her radio was actually broke uh, on a particular station. And my mom's a morning person, so she likes noise. So she had turned up the car radio and it was on a gospel station. A choir was singing and, and mom said out loud, she said, I wish I went to a church like that. Mm. And Mindy said, I go to a church like that. <laughs> and my mom was thinking, yeah, yeah, right. You know, but Mindy invited her to the church. My mom went and she, she loved it. And so she invited my dad and my brother and I the next night. And it was a, it was a lively church. It was lively worship. We'd never experienced anything like that, never been a part of anything like that. We thought church was supposed to be very quiet, and uh, but uh, people were worshiping, and and mom knew that something was different there, and she wanted it, and so she repented of her sin. She was baptized in Jesus' name, and she was filled with the Holy Ghost, and my dad, in fact, all of us knew that something uh, had happened to her immediately. And uh, so then my dad followed suit a couple of months later, and my brother and I got the Holy Ghost on the same night, probably within that year. So I received the Holy Ghost at eight years old, and I felt called to the ministry immediately. 
in fact, before we got into the church, I always thought I would be a priest, a Catholic priest. <laughs> and that's not really the way it turned out. But um, at, a, at a junior camp, uh, I was eight years old, filled with the Holy Ghost. And I felt the Lord called me into the ministry. I didn't know what that meant. Um, and so for uh, 22 years, I just kind of let that sit on the back burner. I would help out the local church in different areas. Uh, but as far as pursuing a ministry, I, I didn't do that, didn't know how to do that. And then at the age of 30, I really felt the Lord dealing with me, and, uh, uh, really just kind of breaking up the nest of comfortability that I created. And uh, he said, now's the time. Now's the time. The harvest is great. The laborers are few. And I felt that he wanted me to just to quit my job and and to travel and, and preach. And so that's kind of... Uh, that's kind of the way it started anyway. And I would say, you know, up to the age of 30 years old, highs and lows, thank God for his grace. But really at 30, things started to uh, to really change in my life. I actually, for the first time that I can remember, got on fire for God and have stayed that way by the grace of God. Wow, that's that's very powerful. And it is, you know, interesting that lag time from feeling the call of God at age eight and then you're 30 years old before I guess that call sort of comes to fruition in one sense and you step out oh, yeah. into it. Um, thank you so much for sharing that. And just well, how powerful is that about the invitation that your mom received? Just one simple invitation to church that change the trajectory of your whole family's lives and futures. So true. Uh, you know, they were on the verge of divorce, but my parents have, have just this year celebrated 40 years. And, you know, it's, it hasn't come without trial. Of course, living for God, giving it everything you've got just makes the enemy, just makes him mad, you mm -hmm. know, and so you'll definitely have trials, but there's nothing like um, being at peace with God and, and walking with the Lord and having a personal relationship with him. And I will say anything that you ask me, if I can at all, if any of my experience could be a help to people, that's great. Um, but I will say, uh, uh, just, you've heard the saying before, eat the meat and spit out the bones. I think, <laughs> I think it's kind of that way for our stories too, because I don't want somebody to get caught up in the details of the story. I do believe general principles apply to our walk with God. But sometimes I know I've been guilty of it, just not realized it. Well, because my story doesn't sound like somebody else's, maybe my story is not valid or whatever. But that's not true. We're all beautifully, wonderfully made. And God works with our own personal stories if we if we allow him to. And so, um, yeah, I just wanted to mention that. Yeah, that's really good. That is one of the reasons that I did not share my story in the book. Um, I felt like it disqualifies people from understanding the healing that comes through the word of God and the presence of God. They hear my story and think, oh, she's been through nothing. Or they hear my story and think, oh, she's been through so much because we compare stories and there's no right. comparison. We're all walking our own path. We're all on our own journey. And so I really value that you said that and that you shared that. And it is, there's going to be things that will apply and there'll be th some things that maybe don't apply um, to our own personal lives. But I believe you're going to have a lot of good things to share today. Um, obviously, you know, the goal of the unedited podcast is to help people establish and strengthen and develop and enjoy the habit of daily Bible reading and prayer. This is the framework where we develop a relationship with Jesus. And I kind of want to veer, we're going to talk about that, but I do want to just veer off that for a little bit for now. And I want to talk a little bit about loneliness. Um, I know I've heard that you had spoken to our hyphen and singles um, age at our church, kind of along this topic a little bit. And I know that during the holiday season, it's the most wonderful time of the year for a lot of people. And then there's others that a sense of height or of loneliness is very heightened. Maybe they've faced a recent loss, or maybe they faced loss a long time ago, or maybe they've been single, or maybe they haven't had children, or just a lot of different dynamics in life that the pain that is normally associated with it is heightened at the holidays. And um, so just kind of want to focus in on that. And again, I don't want to go into this assuming that you're like the loneliest person on the face of the planet, but I do know that you were um, unmarried. You were single for a very long time. And I believe every single person really on the face of the planet struggles with loneliness 
to some extent and probably more, you know, at different seasons and less at different seasons. But I just kind of want to pick your brain on the topic. Um, first of all, do you just have any general thoughts on loneliness? I guess I'll start there. Sure. I I think those times God tries to push us in that direction sometimes and we fight it. We despise loneliness. We <laughs> we're not lonely enough. We don't value that time enough. We, we know, we all know how to rescue ourselves from loneliness. You know, whether you're extroverted or introverted, doesn't really matter. We all know how to fill our time with things, maybe, maybe with people, maybe with uh, uh, entertainment or books or, or, or whatever, just, um, and so I think that time is necessary. It's valuable and, Really, God wants us to, he, he really just wants to put us in position to where he can talk to us and, and we're willing to listen. <laughs> and uh, so those times, yes, uh, they're needed in our walk with God. I believe they're necessary if we're going to know him. Absolutely. That is so good. Um, isolation and loneliness really are the birthplace of ministry. So many times in scriptures, you kind of see where God would call people away or call people apart from the crowd. And have you seen this to be true in your life? And if so, how? Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I feel like the Lord in in a lot of ways, my time was up in Austin, Texas and helping the local church where I could. And just that general sense of, uh, I'm miserable, really. <laughs> I got to that place where I, and I loved it where I was. I loved the job that I had. I loved the people I worked with, the money I made, but I was too comfortable. And I think he just started breaking up that nest and really called me out of that. Get out of everything that you know that you have known, this life that you've built for yourself full of distractions. And really he was, he was, it, it was the call that, that really saved me. I, I think, uh, as well as helped me to step into the ministry that he had for me. I think it's, <laughs> it, it's really amazing that way. And that's what, that's, I'll say, that's the reason why too, that I say, don't let, don't get caught up in the details of the story. Cause we have this tendency to think, well, you have to be, you have to get perfect before God could do something with your life. You have to, mm. you know, and, but that's just not, not the case. Um, really, he called me out of all the distractions I had created for myself. I was not worthy. <laughs> certainly and he set me on this on this path of uh, of loneliness and and he really started to form some things in me that had i just continued to be distracted i i i still feel like i'd be trapped you know um <laughs> uh trapped inside of complacency apathy um, mm -hmm. and so yeah, it's invaluable, you know, and he starts, as he calls me to, to minister, I had never really preached, maybe just a handful of times. I don't know what I'm doing out there. <laughs> and it's like, he's given me dreams. He's given me words about myself personally. Hey, fix this, do this, you know, and, and he's kind of weeding things out of me as he separates me. And uh, so I think it's necessary to form our character. Mm, yes. Yes. And I love that. And that is constantly that refining process, like slowly at work, you know, God doesn't just show us everything right up front. When we set out to walk with him, he does it so incrementally and so slowly. And so you left Austin at 30 and, um, how long did you travel alone? Well, um, Thank God for uh, a man of God who helped me. And of course, my pastor was very instrumental in helping me. Rodney Shaw in Austin, Texas, um, very gracious and helpful. Um, but there was another man of God, a mentor of mine. His name is Mike East. And I feel like everybody needs somebody. And I, I he knew I was quitting my job. He knew the, the call that I felt from God. He said, hey, just travel with me for six months. Uh, why don't you just come with me and if, you know if anybody asks you to speak great if if not that's fine too and it was about two and a half three months where people started asking me to speak and in our 
our ways parted. So I wasn't with him for six months. And then and then I was on my own from there. So probably you know, November or December of 2015, about two or three months after I quit my job, I started to travel alone. And yeah, uh, and and from there, really, uh, God did so many wonderful things. I think when we say we, we I, I believe our prayers, I, I really do. We say, God, I, I want to serve you and I, I want to bring glory to you. And and God just I think he believes that, too. And so he puts us in position to to do that. And it's not comfortable. It's not easy. It doesn't feel good, but he's forming us. It's like we're on the potter's wheel, you know, and he's forming a vessel of honor. And. Um, so, yeah, I and I can tell you some stories, some some specific things where God was forming my character and uh, I'd be glad to share that. Yeah, go ahead. Sure. Well, one of them, I, I you know, we we can justify things a lot. And uh, we do that a lot. I remember I'm by myself. I, I, I lived in and out of my car, really, for the first five years. And then I, you know, Colleen and I got married and, and I didn't make her live in my car. So <laughs> <laughs> that was very nice of you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but of course, when I was with churches, pastors would put me up and they were gracious, but in between places, I would have a pillow and a blanket and I would just kick back in my uh, Toyota Prius. Well, I wanted to get the windows tinted, you know, darkened so nobody could just happen upon me sleeping in a, a, a in a parking lot of a Planet Fitness where I would take showers. So, <laughs> uh, so I got my windows tinted. Of course, every state has different laws about how dark you can tint the windows and all this stuff. Well, my res my inspection and registration was up on my car one day, and uh, I was in the Austin area. I said, I need to go get this taken care of. Rolled out of bed one morning, didn't bother to pray or to read my Bible, just, just got going. And went to this place, this small place uh, in the town that my parents live in, and uh, went in there and uh, talked to the guy at the counter and he went and looked at my car and he came back and he said, you know, this is not going to pass. This is not going to pass inspection. And uh, you, you just need to get the tent off the windows. And so I said, okay, well, thank you. You know, and he handed me my keys and then he, and he said, but you know, if you'll, if, uh, if you'll pay the guys, you know, extra $20, give them some lunch money. Um, he said, "We we see what we can do. We can, we can get it passed for you." And again, uh, Meg, I didn't pray, didn't read my Bible. Just uh, that morning was just all about doing what I thought I needed to do. So, oh yeah, sure, yeah, go ahead. And so they took care of the inspection, and and uh, and I left. And I left the I left that day. I was going out of state to to the next place. I'm driving down the road. I'm about three hours away. Uh, from Austin and I'm praying you now just nothing on my mind just praying oh God I love you and all this stuff and and the Holy Ghost spoke to me and he said so you're only you're only obedient when it's convenient for you mm. and asking me that question so you're only obedient when it's convenient for you and I just broke because immediately I knew that the Lord was directing me to what had happened and how I, you know, uh, I think the laws in, in Texas are dumb. I want my my windows darkened. I can justify anything. I'm sleeping in the car. I don't want anybody looking in on me. And 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 God said, you know, uh, I can't work with that when it's just convenient for you. In other words, there's a price tag somewhere on your soul. I don't know how much it is for for you, but for me personally, am I gonna am I gonna lie? Am I willing to lie? and deceive for tinted windows on a car <laughs> and there's some there's some things in our hearts that sometimes we don't even know is there you know and and god likes to pull the weeds out and and i broke there right there and i god i'm so sorry picked up the phone called the place yeah I kept calling them over and over nobody would answer there was no answer machine man i called them until somebody picked up the phone it must have been 20 times 
they must have got aggravated enough. They picked up the phone. I started talking to them. I said, sir, I was in there this morning. I I, uh, I talked to you about uh, the inspection, the windows tinted and all that stuff. I said, is there any way you can fail my inspection? <laughs> and he said, he said, what? You know, and I yeah, I said, sir, I didn't I didn't do I didn't do the right thing. And uh, and then all of a sudden. He transferred from English to Spanish. And uh, he started speaking in Spanish like he could not understand English. And the Lord dealt with me. And he said, look, when you do things, you think, you know, it doesn't affect anybody else. He said, now all of a sudden this guy's on, you know, he's taken aback. And he's, he's thinking, well, maybe this guy, he's calling me. He's going to get me in trouble because, you know, I might lose my job. And and so when you do the simplest of things that you think, oh, it's got no effect on anybody well now this guy is forced to act like he doesn't know what you're talking about because he's he's worried about his job and all of this stuff from a simple thing that you think well now that's just a stupid law and god said really well if you're only obedient when it's convenient for you i can't really do anything with that and it's just just small things like that where god is they're they're big things it's the little foxes that spoil the vine where God is trying to form us, create us into his character. There's no winks. There's no nods. There's no deceit. There's no secrets. Our life is open. And uh, we don't have anything to hide. He's trying to form us into his character. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, and it's interesting that God spoke that to you as you were alone. Did you say you were already driving for like three hours? Yes. You know, yeah. and so just how that, as that conversation happened with him as you're in solitude with him he brought that to you Amen. you know and maybe if you had been in, in the middle of a distracted day that message hadn't gone th gotten through there's something just so powerful about being alone with god so and true. the solitude that kind of allowed that moment and that conviction to unfold in your life it's true because our you know we can justify our actions not only to ourselves and in our conversations we justify them to people and you know uh, people aren't, can't convict us, but God's word and his spirit definitely can. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that story. I'm sure you have a lot of stories from your time on the road, living in a Prius, essentially yeah. living in a Prius. <laughs> um, <laughs> so thank you for sharing that one. I appreciate that. Um, can you talk about finding like during that time? And again, I don't know what, you know, let's say there's a loneliometer. I don't know if you were at zero or at 75. I'm sure it was the ebb and flow. But can you just talk a little bit about finding contentment in that season? And how, what would you say to someone who's maybe facing loneliness? How do you find contentment during that time? Well, that's so good. You know, I think it starts with valuing, appreciating, giving thanks for what God has given us. We focus mm -hmm. so much. It's, it's just human nature to focus on what we don't have, compare ourselves to other people. But uh, when you when you can be thankful for what you do have in the relationship with God, you know he's for you. You know you've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. You begin to, to uh, replay the scriptures in your mind, knowing his promises are for you. And then you, you thank God for the friendships and the family that you do have. And the people that you don't deserve that God has placed in your life. Um, I know God has done it for me countless times. And I'm, I'm rich. I'm so rich with friendships uh, that that honor God and that strive to be like him. I, I, I'm overwhelmed at the blessings of God. Um, and Meg, it's how really how I got to know you, how I got to know your pastor. Uh, somebody like me, undeserving. I'm, I'm, uh, I didn't come from anywhere. I don't have a background. I don't have a name. But uh, God saw fit to have your pastor uh, pick up the phone and call me one day. Uh, I mean, and now we have this great friendship uh, with between me and my wife and, and CLC. And uh, it's it's beautiful. But I, I just I'm overwhelmed at the blessings of God. And you can find great contentment in that. Mm -hmm. And uh, just a, a, just practicing that Thanksgiving, you know, being thankful. And I will say, you know. Uh, it, it doesn't take away the need, especially if maybe you're single and you want a special somebody. It doesn't it doesn't take away the desire, but, but it does help with obsessively uh, 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 
just having this obsession over it, you know, it, and, and I'll say, you know, there are, there are practical things that you can do. Um, and I don't want to sound cheesy, but have fun with, with God, mm -hmm. <laughs> enjoy time with God. Uh, yeah. For me, for me, that's getting out looking at his creation and, uh, just, just telling them how beautiful his creation is. I don't know for others, it might be something else. Take a cruise, go, uh, Go to a different country. I don't know. Look at the mountains. Uh, just get outside. You know, <laughs> I know yeah. that's very elementary. Uh, I don't necessarily think God would uh, enjoy me sitting down and watching a movie with him. But may maybe there's I, I don't know. Maybe that would work <laughs> for you. I don't I don't think it would work for me. But but appreciate his beauty and his splendor and and um, delight yourself also in the Lord. And, mm. and he will give you the desires of your heart, all of a sudden your, your desires start to look a lot like his desires and, and he's going to take care of you. He really will. I know I say it all the time. I was 36 years old before, before I married Colleen. And I thought, well, you know, in, uh, in church years <laughs> in church single years, that, that feels ancient maybe sometimes, <laughs> but, but if God could do it for me, man, I mean, he knows the desire of your heart, unless you feel called to a life of singleness. And then more than likely that desire is placed there and it's a healthy desire and God's going to see fit to uh, see you all the way through. Amen. There are so many good little nuggets in what you just said. You talked about, you know, learning to practice gratitude, being thankful for what you do have. That is such a massive key when it comes to um, just appreciating the the things that we do have um and you talked about just delighting in the lord and appreciating his beauty and his splendor and there that is so powerful that really is the key to overcoming um loneliness and many other things many many yes. many other things um practicing both of those things and so i really appreciate that what would you say is one gift or maybe several gifts that God gave you out of a potentially lonely time in your life or great at least question. alone? Yeah, great question. I definitely, as I talked about a little bit earlier, forming character, uh, getting out some flaws in my character and forming me more into his character. What a, what a gift that was, that is, and he's co continually doing it. Um, I would say hearing his voice, uh, clearly knowing his voice you know he said my sheep know my voice and and it's a it's wonderful to know his voice that that he leads by peace and not by pressure you know mm -hmm. if you're sold out to him if you're if your desire really is to do the will of God you don't have any secrets like we talked about earlier you don't have any deception that and you're praying every day Lord let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight and 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 have mercy upon me, O oh God, and create in me a clean heart. And you're doing these things, and uh, you're a living sacrifice. And know, knowing that God, if you're living that life, God's going to lead you by peace every step of the way. He's not going to lead by pressure. Now, if you're not doing what you know you need to be doing, and you feel pressure, that is a gift from God. That's called conviction, and it's you know it's time to do something about that. Respond to that to that voice of conviction, but. Uh, but yeah, he leads by peace, and I've learned that to be true, um, that he has placed mentors and pastors and and uh, friends and family uh, in our lives, and they're all for a purpose, and thank God for them, but nothing can replace the intimacy of his voice, you know, and I, I think, you know, right before I got married, I was... Uh, I was actually dating uh, another person and in the church and good person. And just because you're dating in the church doesn't mean you're equally yoked. Uh, I will say that uh, be not unequally yoked with, with unbelievers. And um, something wasn't right about the relationship. I couldn't put my finger on it, but I didn't have peace. Now, even trusted people in my life said what's wrong with you marry this girl you know <laughs> you're old and uh and she's a good girl and she's in church and they had a good point 
but I didn't feel the peace, Meg. And, and this is where I really, through the lonely times, the loneliness and being on the road and being removed from distractions, really learned his voice. I struggled. I did. And I held on to this relationship and I held on to it too long for the reason. The reason was, is because I thought, well, I'm disrespecting my elders and the people that God has put in my life. I'm not listening to them. I need to listen to them. But every time I would go to pray, go to pray, I'd say, God, I'm I'm just not humble enough. I'm not seeing what they're seeing. And so I hung on to this relationship, expecting that one day it would break for me and I would see clearly. And, uh, and parts of that I, I I feel bad about, but it's also it was also necessary. God was God was using it, and of course He works all things for good. But um, He helped me to learn. It was 2019. It was May of 2019. In fact, I was in conversation with a pastor on the East Coast about coming and helping his church, and he, that pastor knew I was dating this girl. And the pastor kind of I think in in his mind. Uh, he thought, well, it'd be good, you know, to marry this girl. Y'all can come out and help us. <laughs> and it was, it all looked good on paper. And I think I've said it before at your church, but if you have to say everything looks good on paper, <laughs> you should probably hit the pause button <laughs> <laughs> because it's not good. As they say in sports, you know, they don't play the game on paper. You might have an all-star roster, but until you get on the field or on the court, you don't really know what you have. Mm-hmm. And uh, everything did look good on paper. You know, it looked like a good opportunity. I was dating this girl. It was about time, past time, really, for me to ask this girl to marry me. I needed to do something. And it was the beginning of summer of 2019. And I had prayed and fasted, I can't tell you, man, for at least a year. God, show me a sign. Well, I began to see signs, green lights everywhere. And so I said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to marry this girl. I'm going to go to the East Coast, help this pastor. But as the summer went on, Meg, I I, I felt more and more pressure. I, I, I didn't feel like I could do this. And I thought with each passing day, with each passing week, like I've got to get out there and ask, ask her to marry me. Uh, it's just, but it wasn't happening. And uh, finally, I was in Wisconsin, of course, of, uh, of all places. I've heard from God a lot in Wisconsin. And, we uh, do hear from God a lot here. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> And I thought, you know, I'm I'm going to break. I'm going to break. I, I need to hear from God. So I, I had seven days till I had to be in Texas. So I drove west and I went to the mountains and I turned my phone off. You'd be, a, you'd be amazed at how much you could really hear from God when you remove that distraction of your phone. Wow. Can you repeat that? That's amazing. <laughs> sure. I, you, you, you would be amazed at, at how much you could hear from God when you remove that distraction of your phone. And mm -hmm. I, I did, I, I turned it off and for several days, just kind of just me and God. And he began to deal with me. He said, the reason why you feel all this pressure is because you don't know me. He said, I, I want to know you and I want you to know me. He gave me a dream in white flashing, bright white lights was the, was the verse, wait on the Lord, be of good courage and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say on the Lord couldn't remember where that verse was located i woke up and looked it up as psalm 27 14 i believe mm -hmm. um and i knew that the lord was telling me you you cannot move forward uh with this plan that you have in either either one of these parties you you can't move forward to the east coast you can't move forward marrying this girl and so um i knew what i had to do i met with one of the parties and uh, the other one I had to call on the phone. I, I couldn't meet the pastor and on the East Coast. But I did. I, I met with both parties and I said, the Lord uh, has helped me to see that I can't move forward. I'm sorry. And I'm breaking this this uh, relationship off. And God bless you. God be with you. And I apologize for, you know, anything that, I, that I've done to hurt you. You know, that's not my intent. And it was it was a hard time. Um, and both parties on they neither one knew that i was talking to them, to them at the same time but uh, both parties shared with me god is not the author of confusion mm. and that's true that's what the scripture says and so i asked god again i said lord well why because at the beginning of the summer i felt the green lights i heard i i saw and heard everything i needed to see you know and in, in, in here i was even in europe and and her name was was in a song 
over over a department store speaker and I thought, oh God, you know, that's a sign I need. <laughs> it must be the will of God, you know, all the green lights I could see, all the signs. And the Lord said, that's exactly why I said in Matthew 16 and four, it's a wicked and adulterous generation mm -hmm. that seeks after a sign. And he said, it's adulterous. It's wicked because you, you're cheating on intimacy with me. You want the goods, but you don't want the process. You want the promise. You don't want the process. You you wow. prayed and fasted for a year, at least a year. God, show me a sign. Show me a sign. Every time you would hit your knees, you would you would skip You'd bypass intimacy with me. You wouldn't say, God, how's your day going? You'd just say, God, I, I need you. And, and and he revealed to me, you were serving me for direction. You were serving me for the next step. You weren't serving me because you loved me. You weren't serving me for me, but you were serving me for what I could do for you. And the only thing that saved you was the fact that you did not feel peace. You felt nothing but pressure. And that was the only thing that saved you. In fact, you began to see all the signs you wanted to see. Be careful what you pray for, because eventually against God's will, he'll just he'll just relent. He'll he'll just he'll just give you what you're asking for if you if you can't stop, you know, and that was um, he, he really blew my mind there. But but really share with me, it was necessary to learn the voice of God for myself. I had I had a, you know, close mentor of mine that said it's the will of God for you to marry this girl. And and I'm thinking it just doesn't align with with what I with what I feel inside. I don't feel that what God was doing was he was trying to separate, to, to separate me from, you know what, are you going to live your life based on what other people say? Are you going to, you going to live off of other people's relationship with God? Or are you going to get to know me for yourself? Yes. They're there for a reason, for a purpose, but they're not a substitute. You got to have your own relationship with me. You got, you got to let me talk to you and lead you. And he was really doing that. He was breaking me from relying on somebody else mm -hmm. and getting to know him for myself. And uh, it was a necessary process. And I thank God for it. I wouldn't want to go through it again, but I thank God for the, <laughs> for the wonderful lessons uh, learned. And I'd say that's, that's the supreme gift that I've gotten out of loneliness for sure is being able to distinctly know when God's talking and he leads by peace. Wow. Again, so much there. Um, I love, I love several things that you said. I just love how you said how God spoke to you and said, you want the goods, but you don't want the process. And that is so often what we want as humans, right? We want point Z. We don't want Yes. everything between in between those um we yes, just want final product and god is so much worried so much more worried really about the process and the refining and the character building and all that happens on the journey to the 2.z um and so that is incredible and in how he birthed intimacy out of that season um, and taught you how to know his voice, how to follow his leadership and how to follow his direction. Um, would you say that that season, um, or how would you say that it developed a friendship with Jesus? I mean, I think you've really touched on that so largely, but I guess just kind of bringing that in, um, maybe for someone who is again in a lonely season, just maybe practical tips on what that looks like. Amen. Well, understanding he is so He's so merciful, you know, <laughs> when we just don't get it, you know, if we keep on coming, like we're, we're, we're hungry for you, God, man, we just sometimes don't even know uh, what we're doing. We're trying. And I, and I did, I thought, you know, well, man, I, I'm, I'm praying and fasting. I'm doing what I, what I know to do, but I was going about it the wrong way, you know, and uh, I might as well have just ate Chick-fil-A, you know, all those times I, I about fasted my belly button off because if you're fasting just to just to twist God's arm, you know, I mean, that's not the way it's not the way it works. It is a relationship. And and too often I think we approach this relationship with God. I'm talking to myself, and it's it seems to be like I, I learned this over and over again. But sometimes I treat my relationship with God as what he can do for me. I mean, okay, you know, and, and that's just not what relationship really is. But um yes it's uh it's developed this this friendship I, I love that song the goodness of god i love the line in there that said i've known you as a father 
and I've known you as a friend. It's just, uh, that song makes me cry because I have lived in the goodness of God. That's the, that's the truth. Mm -hmm. He, he, he can, uh, he can give us a good spanking when we need it <laughs> as a father, you know, and, uh, and he pities us. He does as a father pitieth his children. So the Lord pitieth them that fear him. Psalm 103. And it's, uh, and then I've known him as a friend and that's where, you know, he, I just love that about him because he grows us into that maturity. We, I certainly have a long way to go, but it's a fun ride. It's, it's fun. You, you, you know, that, I mean, God could, he, he should have been done with me a long time ago. That's for sure. I mean, and from the age of, of eight years old, Meg to 30 years old, you know, like I said, I had ups and downs, but when I look at that portion of my life, I mean, I just have, I'm overwhelmed with the grace and mercy of God. I, I want to throw that a lot of, a lot of those years in the trash can and think, man, what did I do? You know, what a loser I was, but God, he, he's gracious he's merciful and who couldn't love somebody like that like i mean how how yes. could you not love him when god doesn't waste anything and god has mercy and and teaches you he's not he's not here with a hammer <laughs> he's just uh, got his arms open wide you know yes he's so good i know i just read that in joel two this morning how he'll restore to you the years that the canker worm has eaten and how many years of my life do i have that same Praise kind of sentiment like i wish i could just scratch him off right but <laughs> god restores the years and god doesn't waste the years and i love that Praise song god. goodness of god too i want that at my funeral like no matter what has happened in those <laughs> those erasable quote unquote years um, you know, just I look back and that is what I see. I see his goodness. And I, I totally agree with that. I've known him as the one who's had to discipline me sometimes, but I have known him as a friend. And um, I think a lot of times it really is the most difficult seasons of life where we get to know him the most, whether that is loneliness or whether that's some other life challenge where we just have this incredible sense of need and incredible sense of dependence. That's where he can really breakthrough and get through to the inside of us. Like you said earlier, the distractions are stripped away in those low times a lot. And um, he can just do his best work Amen. during that time. Um, I know we've talked a lot about loneliness in particular, and obviously you were single until you were, I think you said 36. Um, and I know that many times people have this sort of sense, uh, just people that I've talked to personally, like when I find the right person or when I get married, like everything is going to be okay. But there are people who are married and are lonely, just like people can be in a crowded room and be lonely. Another person will never fill the void that honestly only Jesus can fill. And so for someone who is single, specifically single, what would you say would be your advice to them while they wait um, on the Lord to bring that person into their life. So good. You know, um, make, I would say, just make sure you value that time and get into that prayer closet. Mm. Matthew chapter six, he talks about, you know, when you pray, I think it's verse six, enter into your closet when you have shut your door. Pray to your father, which is in secret, and your father, which seeth in secret, shall reward you openly. And I love how he personalizes that verse. He he, he says, when you pray, mm -hmm. you know, enter into your closet, and when you have shut your door. He's just personalizing that because, you know, nobody else can force you into a prayer closet. Um, the world certainly won't. And, mm. and even well-meaning people, even your pastor can't police you and say, hey, it's time for you to get in the prayer closet and talk to Jesus. <laughs> but you have to take initiative and shut your own door. And he said, don't be as a hypocrite. They love to stand praying in the street corners. They love to say big words. And he said, they have their reward, you know, to be seen and heard of men. But, um, and so he said, don't be like them. And the Lord, the Lord really dealt with me recently about that. He said, stop asking me for stuff. Again, it's a recurring theme. Sometimes I, I have to learn again. Hey, don't ask me for a word. Don't, don't ask me for a word. Stop asking me for a word. You know, as, as my job, I'm an evangelist. I'm supposed to have a word for the people. <laughs> so I, I, I asked God a lot, you know, Lord, what's your word? What do you want to say? And he, I just felt him speak to me recently. Stop doing that. Come into a closet, into a secret place 
and sit with the word. Mm. And if you sit with the word, you'll never lack for the word. You'll never lack for the right thing at the right time for effectiveness in your life. And he said, basically what you're doing, uh, and he, he, he revealed to me, he said, you're just like the hypocrite. <laughs> I mean, when you ask me for a word, what you're asking me for is you want a word so you don't look like a fool. You want the you want to give the people something. So what you really want is for in the eyes of people, I don't want to look like a fool, God. So help me out here. That's not real. You know, you're doing that for image sake. Uh, I'm trying to form something in you. Why don't you sit with the word and uh, and value that time? So I would say lean into the prayer closet, man, lean into it with everything you got. And uh, you better you better buy the the unedited book and and you better be a faithful listener of this podcast because I'm telling you, <laughs> Meg, it, it really is. If the, I'm telling you, this is this is dynamic. It's it's everything. It's anointed because it is everything. It's the it's the foundation of our walk with God, but it's it's going to see us all the way through to the end. It's mm. it's uh, it's crazy how the times are calling for. You can't fake it in these times mm -hmm. now megan and I, I know you've probably seen it and you can tell if somebody's living off of their yesterday relationship with god i'm telling you man you got to have a daily time with god and nothing mm -hmm. short of that nothing less will do because god's on the move and the time is so dark right now people can see right through if you're not you know if you claim to be something you're not I mean, it's easy for people to say no you don't have the goods man jesus said you're going to know them by their fruit Mm -hmm. I, I want to be fruitful. I want to have uh, I, I want to have something inside of me that's going to help somebody. And that the only way I can do it is to plug into the power source. So I'll say do that. Get right with God. If there's any. I, I told a little bit of, uh, uh, of my story about the little foxes here and there. If there's any self-justification, anything you're doing, it God's been calling you. He's calling all of us deeper into deeper relationship to consecrate, you know, it, what is God talking to you about? Whoever's listening to you personally, what's God uh, placed on your heart or your mind? What's, and, and, and is it, uh, can you do it? Could you do something radical for him and to show him how much you love him? And he wants that consecration. And I say, man, use that time uh, to consecrate to him and work for him. And that's the other thing. That's key. I think that keeps us responsible when we advance the kingdom of God, um, we're not just worrying about ourselves and how can I save self and how can I make sure I get to heaven and the focus is on me, 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 me. <laughs> mm -hmm. But when we start to intercede for other people and we reach out to the broken, to the hurting, uh, and we start to be his hands and feet. Now, I'll tell you, there, you're, you're going to make it. You will make it to heaven if somebody else is worth it to you to intercede for you're gonna there's there's no doubt if you want a guaranteed ticket to heaven then get to work for god and and have it start to develop his heart for people and i promise you god's not only is you going to have heaven but he's going to give you a life that you never dreamed of life and that more abundantly and you will experience it i promise when you do god's work he's going to do your work he'll come right around on the back end before you know it god's going to He'll blow your mind. He really, he really will blow your mind. But you really have to put him to the test. You say, God, I, I, I'm willing to, to go through with this all the way. God's recently been dealing with me about a consecration. Uh, Instagram for me. Uh, you don't need it. It's just a distraction. In fact, I can find myself just, just uh, scrolling, you know, and it's just all the distraction for me. This is me personally. Get rid of it. Okay. So I did. I just deleted it. Um, that's, I, I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back. I'm just telling you, God is speaking to every one of us about consecration. So what is it for you? Maybe that's radical, maybe whatever, but God is, you know, if we do that for God, if we show God, if this is important to you, you know what? It's important to me because I love you. I love you more than anything. Heaven and earth is going to pass away, but I love you more than anything. And, uh, as we find ourselves leaning into those, the gift of loneliness, <laughs> Man, God's going to blow our minds. He really will. I don't know how I got off on the Instagram thing. You know, it's like the preacher saying, I don't know how I got off on, <laughs> got off my notes. And just maybe that was. <laughs> Somebody probably needed to hear it. You know, probably about 99.9% .9 of us need to hear that. And I think, you know, those things can become an idol for us as much as anybody who 
carves an idol somewhere in ancient history or somewhere in some other foreign religion, um, if it's replacing God, if it's taking precedence over our time with God and our relationship with God, I do think we need to seriously consider that. And you had said earlier, I don't know if I wrote it down exactly word for word, but you said you would be amazed at how much you'd hear from God if you'd turn the distraction off of your phone and, uh, or the distraction of your phone off. That's really probably true for so many of us. We just live in this incredibly distracted world and it really inhibits our ability to hear from God. And so I'm sure there are many of us that need to hear that. And maybe it's shut it off forever. Maybe it's shut it off for a season, but we just have to be sensitive to allow God to speak that, that into us. So okay to get off our notes uh, um sometimes that's where the best little nuggets are are <laughs> born um so you're saying if when somebody's single these are kind of the three points that i'm taking away from this press into your prayer closet that that's really the birthplace of everything um to get right with god if he's asking some certain consecration of you to do that to honor him not to justify um, yourself and then to serve the kingdom and to learn to intercede for others and um, I just wanted to make sure I was kind of like summarizing. Was there anything you would add to that? Amen. No, that's that's it's true. And that, you know, that that point to get right with him. It's, you know, we live in such a culture that says, well, show me where that's at in the Bible. Show me. And I'll mm-hmm. ask I'll ask anybody who's listening, you know, is there a uh, is do you have convictions, personal convictions in your life? I think it's necessary. Um, it's it is necessary. Your, your own personal relationship with God. What are you doing that you, maybe you can't even explain what that personal conviction is to somebody else. Maybe it would sound dumb and maybe the Instagram thing is dumb. I'll tell you, I, I felt the Lord tell me one time, get rid of the suit you're wearing. And I thought, well, what's wrong with the suit? And I began to argue with God. You know, I was like, God, I don't see anything wrong with the suit. It's not like, it's not like the modern day suits where, you know, it everything, you know, <laughs> everything's skinny and, and, and it's, it, to me, it's not a modest, what's wrong with it? And I told the Lord, I said, I don't want to look like an old man, <laughs> whatever an old man looks like. I don't know. I could just picture maybe what an old man would wear uh, for a suit. And I said, Lord, I don't want to do that. And, uh, <laughs> and, but I knew that the Lord was dealing with me. Am I going to please God or what? You know, people want, where's that? And where's scripture and verse for that? So, and okay, but, but get real. There are general principles in the word of God. He doesn't spell everything out. It doesn't say don't smoke doobies in the Bible, but get real, man. I mean, <laughs> honestly, like we have to, <laughs> and, and God doesn't spell it out for that very reason. He doesn't give us all of, uh, of those things for that reason that you would just be a robot. I mean, mm-hmm. on the one hand, we don't like anybody telling us what to do. On the other hand, we do like it because it's very easy. If I just follow a formula, well, then I'm good. Well, then that's that takes the all the relationship and the intimacy out of it. <laughs> and so what personal convictions do you have that maybe you can't even explain to anybody else and maybe you're not supposed to? Mm-hmm. And uh, I just settled for, okay, God, if I guess if I have to look like an old man, that's what I want to do. Because if it's important to you, then it's important to me. And I love you. And if I had the attitude toward my wife, you know, and she told me, I don't like that, or you know, I could I could ignore her or say, okay, well, it doesn't matter what you don't like. This is what I like. Well, good luck. See how long you're going to remain married, you know, and, 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 and it's just, it's just practical things. So what personal convictions and whatever God's speaking to you about, I promise you, man, you're not surrendering anything. You're gaining everything as you, as you put that on the altar, he's just going to bring you to that place. That's just going to satisfy your soul. I mean, he's just got a next step for every one of us to take and, and we can go there. He's, he's going to uphold us. And we find out that he, he's the source. (laughs) He's the source of our joy, of our life, of our, of our everything. So I would just, I'm sorry, you asked if I had anything to add. I would just add that to just make sure, you know, you're listening to him and what he wants. That's very good. I love how you said you're not surrendering anything, you're gaining everything. And that really is um, really the key with surrender. Uh, It's not a punishment. It's to step into greater relationship with him, to step into greater intimacy with him. I want to switch gears just a tiny bit. 
um, and ask you uh, just to talk about songwriting. I have had a passion. I haven't personally written, well, maybe written a little bit, but um, just for apostolic songwriters. Um, and what would advice would you give to would-be songwriters? It doesn't have to be, you know, super deep dive into it, but just a couple little things. Sure. Well, I think, I do think there are going to be songs that you write that um, you probably won't share with anybody. I think those are good um, either because they're so personal or, uh, or because they're yeah not that very, not that good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've gotten so many that I've written that it's just like, uh, let's just throw that in the trash. Um, and then there are others where it's just, uh, I guess it, it it really depends on what your goal is. You know, if you want others to be blessed by it. And I do, I do believe that God gives us uh, ability or talent so that we can share it with others. And, um, but it's, it's interesting. Brother Bernard talks about the call of God, the call to ministry. And he talks about how God calls and the church. Uh, I don't know if I'm quoting him exactly, but basically the church confirms that call or, yeah, confirms that God calls, but the church confirms it. What, what he's saying is, um, you know, that certainly nobody, man doesn't call us and nobody can take away the call of God from us. But if you're called by God to lead and nobody's following you, well, that's a problem. <laughs> maybe you think you're a leader, but you turn around and nobody's following you. Well, then it seems like maybe you have work to do if God indeed called you in that area. And so I'd, that's kind of the same thing about songwriting. You know, if it's a talent or whatever, um, that's great. Uh, but, you know, if if you're going to put it out there for people to to worship to or whatever, it's you know, it has to be somewhat effective that that would speak and minister to them. So I will say, you know, just allow God to write through you. You know, th those the best songs are born out of prayer. That's for sure. <laughs> born out of that uh, out of devotion. And those are almost, uh, you know, those are, those are undeniable hundred percent. You really don't, there are those inspirational songs that come and, and man, they need to get out there. Just talking to a cousin of mine, uh, Colleen's cousin, and she's just gotten into the song to this songwriting. Really? She says, I have never done this before. She says, I, I'd like any pointer. Powerful. I mean, powerful. And they were born out of prayer and i said you know what i i might tweak this or do this but really these songs are ready why don't you just share them share them with the world so uh i was i was talking to a producer that i was doing some music with and he told me something very interesting and i'll just stop here but he said what he's saying he's an apostolic uh producer and he's saying what i'm seeing here lately is something dangerous that some people are wanting a platform before they have something to say. And that <laughs> wow, uh, that you know really struck me. He said, "Man, I got people reaching out to me and saying, man, I you know it's just a few weeks or a few months until a live recording, and I need some more songs.'" And he's thinking, "Well, you know that's kind of backwards, really." <laughs> Sometimes we live in this culture that says, "Well, let's let's get on stage," but do we really have anything to say? <laughs> Make wow. sure you have something to say. Put the put the word of God to test. Really, that's what I think um, I'm committed to doing, Meg. I'm trying. Again, it's a sanctification process, but I really want to put God's word to the test. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, and uh, and he will lift you up. And I don't know what lift you up means. I don't know what exalt you means. It, it might be lifted up on a cross. Who knows? That's what Jesus was. I mean, I'm not, I don't know what that looks like, but I do know um that i don't want to be a part of a culture that toots their own horn I, I you know it's it just feels shallow yes here i am getting way off the the question again meg i'm sorry but that's okay <laughs> that's okay you're saying lots of good stuff and what a line some people are wanting a platform before they have something to say when you said that, it kind of, it just reminded me of what you were talking about with asking the Lord for a word and how he said, just come and sit with my word. And it really goes back to what you were saying about the best songs are born out of prayer. And I know I'm like, 
the podcast is about Bible reading and prayer. The whole thing is just a shameless pitch. I hope a giant <laughs> flashing arrow sign to the habit of Bible reading and prayer. Amen. <laughs> um, Amen. Because I really do believe that is the birthplace. That's the birthplace of the best sermons. That's the place of the songs that are really going to touch and minister and impact other people. So I love that you're saying that. And that's where God gives us something to say. That's where his word resides in us. Um and that's where we learn to reside in his word. And um, when you had said that about, you know, asking God for a word, my old pastor growing up at his funeral, they quoted him. And he said, um, he told uh, a young minister that had grown up under him, don't prepare sermons, prepare your heart and out of a prepared heart flow prepared sermons. And I think that just reminded me of that when you said that I know there's sermon prep that's required and getting, a, you know, getting things together, getting your notes in order. But um, there is just having our prayer closet and our time with God and our time with his word as the source for everything is so powerful. And that's where we can, that's really the only place we can leave an eternal impact. Um, however, God Thanks uses God. our lives. Um, I'm going to close with one final question. And I know we've kind of like, this has been laced throughout the conversation, but can you just talk very specifically about how Bible reading and prayer have been a part of your journey and how important do you feel that this habit is to your life and your ministry? Amen. Well, it is everything, Meg. Like, like you said, it's the beginning, it's the end, it's everything. And Jesus said in John 15, 5, you can do nothing without me. And so, mm -hmm. you know, whatever you can do in this world, uh, and there are a lot of people doing a lot of different things, but he all considers it, he considers it all nothing uh, if it's not in him, uh, abiding in him and him and you. And so it is, it's everything, you know, we need a, I love that, that portion of the Lord's prayer it says, give us this day, our daily bread. It's a daily, a daily commitment to walking with him. And sometimes it's inspiration. And sometimes it's just old, the old drudgery of uh, showing up and being faithful. Um, but in either case, it's rewarding. And it's a life that we're building. We're establishing something like Noah spent uh, many, many years, just, just, you know, driving nails <laughs> And he was mm -hmm. establishing and in it something that the Lord closed the door on Noah and his family when he was ready and the rain came. He was shut in the very thing that that he had been establishing all his life. It was his safety. It was the thing that saved him. It was just his faithfulness to. To all that God had called him to do, and he's called us to to be devoted to him in prayer and in reading the word. And it's it's really it's our source. It, it, we, we really are ineffective. If we are not plugged into the power source, we can't live off yesterday. Give us this day our daily bread. If we collect manna for today and tomorrow, tomorrow's manna is going to spoil. We've got to have uh, what God is doing and speaking today to our hearts. And uh, praise God for that. I just feel his presence even right now as we're talking about it. Mm -hmm. I'm thankful for friends like you, Meg, who have, who have uh, that's your life. You've and you've led by example, and I appreciate that too. Well, it's it's one of those things that has been really. It's Bible reading and prayer has changed my life, and I would say it's it's my foundation. It's all I have to stand on. I mean, I am there's there's no me apart from that, and I'm I'm nothing. Um, but there's, it's just such a life-changing habit and I'm, I'm just so hungry to help people see it as a means to the absolute best part of their life and what they were created for, as opposed Amen. to a checklist item. Yes. Um, is there anything you'd like to share in closing, just open floor, open platform, um, anything that we didn't really have a chance to touch on that you'd just like to say? You know, I just, just keep moving forward in faith and and God believes in you and he's called you to the kingdom for this time. You know, he's he's in the process of fulfilling. He wants to fulfill the desires of your heart. And but so does the enemy, you know, but the enemy wants to do it the wrong way. And he wants to do it through lust and through skipping steps and, and getting to the finish line and, and, and avoiding the process. But God wants to do it the right way through love. You know, the enemy wants to speed up the process, get you chasing your desires instead of God. But God's wanting to mature you so that you can handle the blessing when it comes. And you'll be you'll be where you where you need to be and in, 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 in able to handle 
that blessing that comes when it comes. And uh, I thank God for for his mercy. And he has mercy on us. You make mistakes, it's, it's all right. Just get back up, repent, dust yourself off. God is merciful. Keep going in Jesus' name. And Meg, you know what? I was... Uh, I take time to read out of your book uh, since I got it at general conference. And I just want to share with everybody uh, from entry 34. It's what I read this morning, lost and found. It was powerful, man. And uh, I just want to, man, it hit me. <laughs> Colleen, I was, she was sitting in front of me at the desk. I was sitting in a chair here in the hotel room. I kept sniffing. She turned around and said, you okay? You know, you need to blow your nose. But I was just crying at the, at the anointing coming off the pages, Meg, and one of the things that really hit me, entry 34, lost and found, you were talking about how you had lost your son a couple hours and uh, through miscommunication. And the line says, I want to be on God's search and rescue team. Mm -hmm. I want to minister to his heartbreak. <laughs> oh my goodness. That is so powerful. And honestly, I, I think I'll just reiterate, that's we're going to be saved and we're going to do the work of God when we minister to what breaks his heart and people that are lost when we get our minds off of ourselves, and we intercede for others. And that man really, that just hit me. So shameless plug for you, Meg and, uh, <laughs> and your book. <laughs> well, thank you. I was not expecting that. Um, it's weird to hear somebody read something I wrote. Cause I'm like, that sounds, I don't know. It just, it's interesting. Yes, I'm grateful. Powerful, powerful ministry. You're anointed. You are anointed, and and uh, and I thank God for you. Thank God for your pastor. Uh, your pastor's really spoken into my life several times, Joseph Hanthorn. Wow. And uh, thank God for him. Yes, I'm very thankful for him. Our church is so grateful for his ministry, and we're very, very blessed, very blessed. And we've been blessed when you've come to CLC. And thank you again for for everything you've shared here today. I really believe that um, it's going to be a blessing to those who will listen. And please tell Colleen hello. And um, thank you so much for being here today. And Merry Christmas to you guys. Yes, ma'am. Merry Christmas to you too. And Andrew, tell the family I said hello in the church. And God bless you all. All right. God bless you. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. I just wanted to say another giant thank you to Brother Zipoli for all that he shared during the interview today. And thank you to you for joining me here. I'm so incredibly grateful. If you have questions, you can visit MegUnedited.com. For now, go grab your journal and your Bible I so look forward to the power of this habit in your life. This is unedited. This is for you. Happy, happy Friday and Merry Christmas.